Hey, it's Olivia Lunny, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. I like discussing with different people where they're coming from because, you know, we've had people on from Calgary, Saskatchewan, uh, Nova Scotia. Um, so what was like in Winnipeg like? Winnipeg was honestly a really great city to grow up in and it just has a really awesome sense of community. Whether that's in like the music industry or even just in the neighborhood, there's just so many amazing people here. And I kind of like to describe it as a big town versus a city because there's just People are so close. Now, let's talk about how did you get into to the music side of things? Like, did someone ever just give you a guitar? Were you in school and were in like a, a musical band? Or was it just you heard a song one day and you said, you know what? This is what I want to do. So I actually grew up in a very musical household. My dad kind of just like plays on guitar and he would always have music playing in the house. And whenever he would drive me to school, he would always have music playing. So I was kind of just immersed in it from a really young age. And as I got older, I was like, Dad, like, you should teach me a few chords on guitar. So he just taught me some really basic chords. I think it was like C, A minor, and G or something. And then from there, I kind of kept learning covers and, and playing. And then as I got older, around 12 years old, I, I kind of just started to write, not full songs, but just kind of formulate ideas and, and write down kind of poems and stuff. And then I guess one thing led to another, and now I'm kind of doing it full-time. When you were first writing songs, what kind of songs were you writing about? We, we had acts on that they said that they started writing music when they were like, you know, 12 or 13. And I'm like, okay, what are you writing about at 12 or 13? Like, like you know, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking of like, if you're 12, you're like writing about your favorite like candy bar, compared to if you're like 18, you're writing about a first breakup, right? And then someone's like, well, you know what? I liked it better when she was writing, singing songs about candy bars. <laughs> Well, I think it's it's funny because I think from a young age, I was writing, I guess, pretty mature songs about even just like love and heartbreak. Who knows where that inspiration came from? Maybe even just from like the media or, or watching movies and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I've kind of always just written about my my personal experiences and other people's experiences like in my life. So even now, like if let's say a friend's going through a breakup or something or, or a hard time, it's like almost using that as inspiration sometimes and and writing a song bring me up to speed of how this brought you into getting on the launch yeah so i guess i started writing at around 12 but performing didn't come till i was around 14 or 15 so i kind of played my first gig at the winnipeg folk festival for kind of a small audience and then i started to play a lot locally uh just even here in winnipeg at different cafes coffee shops open mics and stuff And then as I got older, when I was around 16, I started kind of meeting some people in the music community here in Winnipeg, started kind of playing in a band for fun. And then by the time I was 18, I'd released my first EP and that was 2018 and then launched was 2019. So through releasing that EP, I applied for the launch, was fortunate enough to get on the launch and kind of since then life's kind of been a whirlwind. So this is the kind of concept I thought of the launch when it first came out was I was like, it's kind of like a Canadian idol, but the the person auditioning kind of already has this background and a little bit of, I guess, leeway in the business, but it's just writing for the breakthrough. Uh, would I be right in saying that or is it a little bit more in depth? Absolutely. I think that that's like essentially what the show is. But what I did really like about the show, because I, I never really was a huge fan of those kind of solely like singing shows. This one really focused on like writing part of things too. And like as a songwriter, that's 
a really big part of who I am. Um, so they really just looked at the artist as a whole versus just the voice. When I look at Canadian Isle, and I might be dating myself here as well, but like I was looking at like the Ryan Malcolms, the Kalen Porters, and I kind of felt like, okay, like they're winning, but there's nothing really happening here. So like what's going on with us, like, you know, as Canadians winning and I'm an idol show that you're basically saying, yeah, you have the talent and they get one album out of it and nothing. And then you have people that don't win like a Jacob Hogarth from Headley and go on and do great. So I was kind of like, you're it's, and I don't mean that in a mean way to Canadian Idol, but I'm like, okay, so even if you don't win like a Carly Rae Jepsen or whoever, it's not saying you're going to fail. And I found the launch to be a little bit more like we're taking you because we know you have a musical career. You're basically doing this on your own, but we want to help you by giving you some of the best people in this business and giving you the little bit of experience you need, like a mentor almost, like in anything in life. Like you could be growing in to be a teacher. We're going to give you a teacher that's here 20 years, and they're going to teach you the ins and outs of this system. Yes, and and the launch was really great for that. And it did really, I guess, launch, no pun intended, like my, my career. And it was it was just really great to be around those people who have such a huge history and, and so much experience in the industry because I was just able to learn so much of that. And I do think sometimes too, with American Idol and stuff, like I said before, they do focus a lot on the voice and some of those people write as well. But I think at, at the end of the day, you kind of need to be multi-dimensional nowadays to really kind of start to make it um, in the industry. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Now you were on, I believe it was season two, correct? Yeah. Season two, episode four. Okay, season two, episode four. Because I'm just trying to remember which seasons, again, which who was on which episodes. But I remember, like, I remember Sons of Daughters were on an episode as yeah, well. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching that episode, actually. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, and they've been on the podcast, and they've explained pretty much like what you have. But I thought it was interesting how they would tell Jimmy and Crystal at different parts, like, you know, your voice needs to be here, and let's try harmonizing together. And I'm like, okay, as a musician who's just say done this for five or 10 years together. And now you're trying to switch it up or say, well, you might be better off doing this. Then you're kind of like putting your ego at the door because now you've got people that are successful kind of telling you how to get there. But at the same point as you, you're so accustomed to doing it a certain way that it's almost like I have to either listen to them or kind of judge it on my own to see if I can make it. So did you ever find like a crossroads like that when you were with the launch? I, I totally did, actually. And, and I think throughout the whole show, what was so important to me was I wanted to be able to change and challenge myself to be a better me, but I didn't want to change myself to be a totally different person, right? So I, I really just wanted to be authentic to myself and just take that authenticity, but elevate it to a level that I could kind of live up to what this show really wanted. For example, the live performance was a huge challenge for me because going into the show, I was this like indie singer songwriter. I'd always sing with a guitar or like ukulele. And they basically took that and they're like, okay, perform. So for me, that was terrifying at first and obviously pretty intimidating. You have all these industry people watching you through your performance and stuff. But I think I honestly came out on, on top after all of it. And I really just learned a lot about myself and it forced me to dig really deep. And, and yeah, like for, for me, the show was just a really positive whirlwind of of an experience when you're talking about performing like I, again i'm not throwing any shade or anything at 
at any of the perform at any performers or even yourself here. But like, you know, some people are just the musicians. Like, it's not a performance. Like, listen, like I grew up in the '90s. Britney Spears was a singer, but she she was a dancer, so it kept you entertained. You look at other artists like Alanis Morissette, who I I don't expect to go to see Alanis Morissette and see break dancing moves. I expect to hear great songs. Right? So, and I'm going to tie this into a little bit about digging that I did on you. You love John Mayer. When I go to see a John Mayer concert, I don't expect John Mayer to do like diving moves or twist and shout or like, you know, I'm not coming home from a John Mayer concert knowing choreography. I'm coming home from a John Mayer concert feeling like, wow, he did an excellent cover of, um, you know, a Tom Petty song or just a great John Mayer song. That's what I go to a John Mayer concert for is good music. So I, I like how you kind of in, indulged there a little bit about how when it comes to the performing part, you were kind of trying to, you know, entertain these people, but maintain your, I guess, own personality in, in the aspect as well. Yeah. And, and even going forth, obviously, I'm not performing this summer or anything with the whole COVID thing going on. Um, but I'm just really excited to kind of have this fusion, hopefully in the future of my live performance where there are aspects and elements of this new kind of pop side that are really upbeat and really fun. But then there are these moments that are really intimate and acoustic based. So I, I think that's going to be a fun thing to kind of play with. You got to work with Jane Arden. What was, what was that like? Was she like, a little, I, I kind of like to think of Jane Arden, even though I could be completely wrong, is like one of those tough teachers that in the moment you really don't like her. But then years later, you're like, I'm so glad she was tough on me. I'm so glad she she was like, you know, beating me around and saying like, you you can do this. And you're like, I can't, Jane, I can't. And they're like, you can do it. And you're like, but I'm telling you, I can't. And then like years later, you're like, I can. And yeah, you're you're not wrong in saying that. She definitely has a very sarcastic um, sense of humor. But she was actually one of the warmest, kindest, funniest people I've ever met. And I just feel so like blessed that I got to work with her because she really helped me through the whole experience because being kind of a singer songwriter herself she totally understood the whole hide behind your guitar thing so she was definitely able just to work with me and I really resonated with her and yeah I'm I'm grateful she was one of the sorry not judges but one of the mentors on the show because yeah we we really clicked and to this day she even messages me the odd time so just all around a really awesome human the the other thing that I like that I, I I think it kind of brought you a little bit of exposure as well is working with Tyler Shaw on the Stronger Together. Yes, I saw that you actually talked to him um, on a podcast about it. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's so funny because we were making fun of the fact of, and I always kind of like to tease the guests in a little way, but I was like, Tyler Shaw did a great song, got all these acts together, and yet we could have been talking to Tyler Shaw, the University of PEI soccer player, because I believe that's what he was in. He was going to university, and I believe it was on like a soccer scholarship. So I was like, Imagine how things could have changed. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's uh, too funny. <laughs> can you imagine just being like, Tyler, man, like, how, how's your winning goal? He'd be like, I could have been a musician, man. I'm like, well, you're not. You're a soccer player now. <laughs> but how is it like working with Tyler? And what did you think that's stronger together? Do, do you think it brought a lot of people together? Did you get to interact with a lot of acts? Give you, like, I guess a few contacts, a few lessons? or? Yeah, so, so Tyler and I met, I'm trying to think, last summer in... May or right before summer so just over a year ago and we had just like booked in a writing session together and kind of through that we just got to know each other and kept kind of running into each other like at Wee Day we ran into each other and he was in Winnipeg playing a show so we kind of just kept crossing paths so he's, he's a great friend and 
he's just a really awesome artist and I, I would even call him kind of a bit of a mentor as well because obviously he's really successful and he's been doing his thing in Canada for a while and I'm kind of just starting out so he's definitely lended a helping hand and just really helped me kind of navigate lots of stuff and it was super kind of him to bring me on board for this stronger together thing because well I think we are stronger together you know and especially artists lots of us like have platforms and stuff so to be able to use those for the better and for charity was just really amazing and as far as interacting with acts I didn't actually get to interact with tons because we all kind of did this virtually we all were recording separate things in a really short time frame but yeah it was just really awesome to see and I think it was really crazy to see that they even got Justin Bieber involved last minute like how yeah. incredible to even be a, a part of a project with his name on it too right Exactly. And I think that's like where I kind of, when you're talking about a Canadian aspect, you have your bigger acts in Canada that are basically saying like, yeah, yeah, listen, we're going to have a few uh, no-namers, people that are just starting in the business that you might not know them now, but in a few years from now, you might know them. And some big acts would say like, are you kidding me? Like, no, that's giving them exposure. Like, I, I, I've got my own platform. Like, I don't care. But to see like, a Justin Bieber, a Brian Adams, like a uh, Heather Rankin, um, a Sarah McLaughlin, just say, you know what, I'm I'm a part of this, and not even think about like, well, geez, this young talent is going to get a little bit of exposure from just my name being involved in this, and I think that's kind of a very Canadian aspect of of living, I guess, where it's like, yeah, sure, I, I'll help you along, like if someone's going to watch this because it has Justin Bieber's name on it, but Leeds saying. Uh, you know what? I really like this uh, Olivia girl. I liked how she sounded. I'm going to go tune into some of her music, which would be the case in point here. Yeah, and I, I think you said it perfectly. It's such a Canadian thing to do, but that's where I am just, I think, so grateful to be a Canadian and to be a part of the Canadian kind of music industry because so far it's just been so welcoming and people have been so warm to me. And yeah, I'm just kind of excited to hopefully keep meeting people and keep collaborating and meeting people more once we can actually travel and I can head back to Toronto where I spend lots of time. But yeah. You mentioned about performing at a Winnipeg Folk Festival, I believe. But your your biggest dream that I've heard is that you want to perform at MSG. And I got to tell you that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people dream that, but why why MSG? What was the appeal? Even though it's a, a pretty fair answer what the appeal is, but to you. <laughs> I think it's just, I mean, this is such a storybook answer, textbook answer, but it's just so iconic, you know? And it's one thing to play, obviously, any stadium. I, I haven't actually played it like a stadium before. The closest thing would be the, I opened for Lionel Richie um, last summer at Budweiser in Toronto, which was absolutely oh, wow. crazy. It's just such an iconic venue. <laughs> and, and I guess that's the short answer to that. It would just be amazing to kind of be be in the club of people who have performed there for, for that many people. No, no, I, I'm actually kind of uh, impressed because that was something that I, I didn't expect, the the answer of uh, opening for Lionel Richie. I mean, that had to be something really cool. That was very cool. And it was actually a very last-minute kind of whirlwind of a gig. I kind of just got a phone call from someone who had heard my song on the radio, and four days later I was flying to Toronto with my band opening. So it was a very surreal experience I think the thing that's been so crazy to me is like there's no textbook on like how to navigate the music industry you know and like lots of industries and careers are very not predictable but there is a bit of a system to it but in this 
pace. And I feel like my experience so far, even just like being on the launch, it's a lot of like zero to a hundred, then back to 20, then back to a hundred, then back to zero. Then it's like, it's kind of just all over the place. But I, I guess it keeps, Keep this all in our toes. No, yeah, no, no. I, I, I like it. There's like a comedian out there. I, I'm just trying to remember his name. Uh, his, I believe his last name is Martin. It's like uh, Dimitri Martin, I believe. And uh, he had a, a post there, I think a few weeks ago, of the path to success. And he says what people believe it is. And it's just a line going straight forward. And then what it actually is, it just has a line going all over the place and then an arrow pointing upwards. I'm like, that's so that's true. pretty relatable because... <laughs> Sometimes you don't think you're going places when literally you are. You're just not seeing it in that time frame. Absolutely, and I, I totally agree with that. Now let's get a little bit into your music career uh, in terms of, I know we talked a little bit all over the place here, but just in terms of just uh, some of your musical influences and uh, about your song uh, Bedsheets, because I've heard it on Instagram and at first I was like, geez, what's, what's going on here? I thought something was going on in my room and then... Uh, the second time I heard it, I was like, oh, this is this is a person singing. It's catchy. It's different. Kind of gave me like 1975-ish vibes. Now, that's just me saying that, but I, I listened to it a Thank few you. more times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I listened to it a few more times, and I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I'm just going to download it. So I, I've got it downloaded, and I'm hoping you've got more like great tunes like that coming out as well. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, thanks so much for listening to it and downloading that. That, that means so much for me. But um, Bed Sheets was, yeah, kind of a, a special song for me. I wrote it with a guy named AJ Healy, who I actually kind of met through the launch. And it was kind of one of the songs that just happened really quickly and came super naturally. I had this like little voice memo on my phone of the first, the first two lyrics. It's like cigarette inside your hand, which you would hold me like that. And then I, I showed AJ and it's 1 a.m. after we had had a full session that day. And we were kind of just like debriefing, talking, getting ready to head home. And then we ended up writing this full song that same night and recording it. <laughs> so I always like songs like that because they just feel really, really real and not not too forced. It, it kind of just happened in the moment. So that's the story behind Bad Sheets. I'm sorry. What what did you ask before that? <laughs> no, no. I, I was just mentioning like what what is like your you know your future album, future projects. Like what's what's in store? Because I mean, Bed Sheets is a great kind of lift off to it. So I was just kind of interested to see like what's upcoming. Yeah, for sure. So actually, before Bed Sheets, I released another single called Think of Me, and then I have another single coming out. I haven't announced it yet, but it'll be early July. It'll be another single, and then in hopefully by end of August. If everything goes to plan, there'll be an EP coming out. So I'm really excited because I think this is the first time I really just developed my sound. And I feel like I have just a real kind of artist identity. Because um, obviously before the launch, it was like very folky. And then after the song that came out, I got it was very pop. So it's like just kind of trying to find my middle ground and just find my unique kind of flavor of music that, that makes me um, recognizable and distinct. So yeah, lots of new music coming. And I'm just really excited to to share what what i've been making because i've heard the song so many times but i but no one else (laughs) when you were saying about finding that middle ground to your sound now we've had coleman hell on an episode that was out uh, a few weeks ago and uh he mentioned about you know when he first came out with like two heads and then devotion you know people are like okay is he pop is he punk is he country like what what's the deal and he more or less came across saying i'm just gonna make music that i like if you like it cool if you don't you don't and i feel like that's the 1975's approach 
I like chocolate. I like uh, If You're Too Shy, you know, that song. But there are definitely some 1975 songs that I'm just like, don't get. But doesn't mean that I don't support the band. It's just that I don't like that song. You have examples of like Machine Gun Kelly. That's a rapper, but yet he has like a punk rock or a few punk rock songs out now. And I'm like, never like Machine Gun Kelly in terms of the rapper, but I I, I like his uh, kind of punk rock persona. So when you were mentioning your answer of finding a middle ground, I, I want to basically say like, screw it. Screw it, Olivia. Do what you want to do. <laughs> if if you want to play pop one day, good. <laughs> like I love that. Thank you. No, I, that, <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Watch now. It's like, uh, you'll, you'll come out on an interview with like ET Canada or something in a few weeks. Like, well, I was on a podcast called Tobe tonight and he said, screw it. Do what you want to do. And I'd be like, Olivia, Olivia, don't yeah. get me dragged into this. I basically said, just do what you love. I didn't say, bring me into this. <laughs> I think that's, that's so so true though and, and thank you for even just reassuring that because I think lots of artists get stuck trying to be in this box that they create for themselves and at the end of the day I think you just have to do what feels right in the moment so whether that's writing a country song or a punk song or I guess in, in my terms like a ballad versus a really upbeat pop song I think you just have to do whatever feels right yeah well we're in it we're kind of in an interesting place in, in the music side of things where it's like um I don't really think there's a a set genre anymore like there's not really a country country or you know a, a pop pop there's such thing as a pop country miley cyrus can go from one day of releasing wrecking ball to performing hey jude you know we well i mean we planted the seed we had even though the u.s have garth brooks we had shania twain for years so very true you know ho- maybe maybe it's like olivia you're gonna be like the next one of someone's gonna hear bed sheets and be like i'm totally into this and then someone's like yeah but have you heard the song called under my bed and they'll be like why is that a sequel it's like it is a country song about how she left shoes under the bed and no one came and they'll be like i don't understand it but it sounds great let's listen like i'm taking that idea <laughs> oh no come on awesome. come on of course uh the, the last thing we want to do here is to have a little fun do you want to play a game of how canadian oh gosh yes i hope i'm canadian enough but i'm not sure <laughs> No, no. I, I love when I love when people answer that. Every guest we've had on so far thinks it's like some kind of trivia question, and I love that because it's like, as a Canadian, you're, I, I will argue that I don't know much about Canada. I'm not going to fake it and say that I do. Uh, but the the idea of how Canadian is basically you give an example of something that maybe you'd only see happen in Canada. So I'll give you an example. We played it with Sarah Nurse. We played it with Splash and Boots, Coleman Hell. Uh, a few others here. The example I usually start off with saying is, you know, someone offered me a Timmy's. I told them no and apologized. How Canadian of me. Uh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so th- so uh, what would be a story and finish it off with like a how Canadian that you can think of? Hmm, that I experienced, I guess, like being in Canada? Yeah, you can, you can give, yeah, you can give a personal experience. Well, someone actually... I think when this was maybe around Christmas time, and it's funny exactly happened to me like twice this past Christmas. I was in line, um, it wasn't Tim's, it was at a Starbucks, and someone paid for my um, my meal like my meal and my drink. So I don't, I guess it's not Canadian of me, but I, I was the receiver of that, so that was just how Canadian of that person because <laughs> that was just so nice. No, that that's fair. Uh, the, the other one that I have here is an example, and I'm going to use Sarah Nurse's example because I love it from the because Sarah Nurse is a hockey player, and she just gave this great one, because, you know, the Canada-USA rivalry in hockey. She got down, I slashed a USA player and apologized to the ref for having to give me a penalty. 
And the the one that I'll, I'll let you have the last one, but the other one that I believe a lot of people use, I believe Coleman Hell used it, Carlton Stone of Port Cities, uh, a few have actually brought it up, and I think it's very interesting. And you you can even elaborate on it if it's ever happened to you. You are holding a door for someone that's a good distance away, but you keep the door open, and then when they go in, you apologize for holding the door. Oh my God! Yes, yes, I've totally done that. I feel like I did that the other day at the mall. <laughs> That's so true. Isn't that strange that we're just wired like that, though? I don't think it's a bad thing. It's obviously better than like better than being rude. But that's so funny. I'm glad I'm not alone <laughs> and experiencing that. And I guess to close it off, there, uh, Olivia, uh, is there anything else you want to discuss, talk about, like you know, let free? Well, thank you so much for chatting. Um, I have a single coming out July 10th. I have to double check what day it is, but early July will be another single. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And to anyone listening, hopefully you are staying healthy and sane. And I think we need more love in the world. So let's all work towards tilting the world towards love. I, I I like that answer. I think it's a I think that's a very thought out answer. I think it's a very Canadian answer. It's a great way to to finish how Canadian. <laughs> how fitting. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Olivia Lunny for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.